Although the years had brought many changes to the Rosora sisters, the estate seemed untouched by the passage of time. The grounds were pristine and well-maintained. Calistrade forbid anyone think Davros and Zelian lacked the funds to maintain anything but an extravagant household. Rolora grimaced, household indeed. Her father spent most of their time aboard Rhodesia's Gallop, traveling trade routes with the other ships in their merchant fleet. The Rosora household was little more than a base of operations on Absalom Station. Yet, the fact that the grounds seemed to be frozen in time made it easy for Rolora to navigate the estate grounds unseen. The face and clothing she used for the first leg of her journey ensured she was all but invisible. Her ability to squeeze through areas roughly one-eighth her size made her undetectable on the second leg of her journey. She was almost seen once as she lingered in front of a large portrait of Davros and Zelian. It looked so regal. The brilliant white silk they wore gave them an ethereal quality. She rested an appendage lightly on the canvas. Davros rarely, if ever, smiled in person, much less in any portrait or photograph. His warmth was found in his eyes. She would see it as she found Zelian's gaze across a crowded conference hall. It was there every time she beat him at Valdescat. Zelian, on the other hand, smiled any time he decided a situation called for one. Rolora's first note-perfect telephone recital. When she presented him with proprietary data from a rival company obtained by her unique skill sets. She lingered a second more than she should before these imposing, majestic, and ruthless men before rushing down the corridor that would take her to her destination. She honestly expected it to be converted into storage. A lump instantly formed in her throat as she found her room as she last left it. Maybe this wasn't such a good idea. The faces of her family surrounded her. Scenes and memories vivid in high definition on various digital frames and holographic projections. Although she was alone in the room, she turned dark orange as she caught sight of the large wall where her many awards and accolades were garishly displayed. Her blush of embarrassment darkened. Below each medal, certificate, and statuette was a small line of text whose sole purpose was to display her sister's placement. Second. Third. Second. 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 She forced herself to read each one. It was only when she wiped away the tears that she realized she had reverted to her Lashunta form. Deciding this wasn't punishment enough, she walked to the data screen, which made up a quarter of the northern wall. She paused as she recalled the 14 different sets of eyes and appendages she had to cycle through in the correct order to access all the files safely locked behind optic and print recognition security. She tentatively entered the appropriate commands and finally spoke the verbal command needed for voice recognition. Run acquisition status. There, before her, scrolled the list of acquisitions, the fruit of her labor. Infiltration, impersonation, duplicity, ruthlessness. The four pillars by which she acquired wealth and power. Businesses left in ruins and families left impoverished. The innocent and naive imprisoned. The text continued to scroll when her calm pinged. Relora, we are just about ready to run and test the final power cycle of the drift engines. Are you still running your errands? Uh, just finishing up, Jiri. See you soon. She allowed herself a few more moments scanning the screen. Acquisition status. Assets, Assets transferred. transferred. Balance. balance. Zero, zero credits. credits. Assets, Assets transferred. transferred. Balance. balance. Zero, zero credits. credits. Assets transferred. Balance. Zero credits. Assets transferred. Balance. Zero credits. 
On and on, the status message repeated, each entry tagged with the same five words. Asset seized by Aline Rizora. Last episode, we were beginning to have kind of an interesting conversation after we turned our mics off about sort of the nature of this AP, where there's a lot of different potential plot hooks dangling all over the place, but the characters you're playing aren't necessarily the kind of people that would reach for them every single time, Uh, such as uh, Jess, you brought up, there was a woman who went missing back on the very first planet you went to. And there was potential for investigating what happened to her, but that's not really what your crew was concerned with or what they were there for. So it's it's a potential avenue that sort of was left dangling. And we were having a, a what I think was a really interesting discussion about how you feel about that as players and also how your characters might might be feeling and interacting with the world. Yeah, Angel brought up the point that as working schmucks ourselves, we kind of understand... <laughs> the the mindset here. I don't know if you want to continue that thread, Angel. I thought it was oh, interesting. Yeah, it was. It, it made me think back to an old discussion with uh, Jason Tondro, and it was this common theme in the AP, which makes it very interesting because as people, you know, as players, we're and you know, whether it's tabletop or video game, we kind of have a natural cadence when it comes to playing these games and that mindset. But what I also like about us as you know professionals is, you know, we're we're about embodying our characters in the RP. And the thing about this AP is, man, we are working stiffs and with the good comes the bad. And it seems like the bad is always at least intermixed because, you know, our, our successes, you know, we celebrate them, but they're short-lived. Or our successes are sometimes tainted with uh yeah, oh, well, we got paid, but this happened. Or, oh, Runo got paid, but we don't have any money left over. Uh, we have this cool ship. Oh, we completely, you know, Rilor completely effed over her, her family. And we're <laughs> running into that a lot. And I think we've all felt, you know, listeners and ourselves at different times in our life that we're coming ahead. And then there's a little snag. And that's kind of the nature of being being a working stiff ourselves and now playing these characters. And it makes it very interesting because it's that common theme. All of our characters come from different backgrounds. So we have, you know, well, whether we want to do do-gooding or go, oh, hell to the no, let's fire, let's <laughs> fire through our, fire through these pods of whales, right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we all, you know, we all interact with this you know, uh, sci-fi universe in our own way, but it's also, holy crap, it's, we can't always go on all those other adventures, not because if we do, it would be kind of like on the cusp of metagaming, but also our people have stuff to do. They've got bills to pay. I'm sure the Starship fuel is not cheap. 
you know, they're, <laughs> mm-hmm. they were just scraping by putting the most unleaded, unleaded, I'm sure, in calamity or clipping coupons here and there. And now they're coming up to money. But guess what? Their maintenance cost, is, I'm picturing now, is now a little higher. They've got all sorts of high-tech gadgets. Well, yep. it's one thing to replace something and maybe at a lower cost than replacing this like super high-end gizmo gadget, what have you. And that's really came to kind of mind at the like the end of the last episode of, you know, Relora hitting hard with, oh, heck yeah, let's help. Let's do this. And it's, you know, Saren grounding in reality of, you know, that's all well and good, but how are we going to do this? We have stuff that we want to do and our characters aren't always going to be able to, you know, rescue folks, you know, build homes for the homeless. And not that some of them don't want to, but it's, it's not the reality of the world they're living in. Sometimes, sometimes it's okay to just be the delivery driver that drops off much needed medical supplies. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that is Mm -hmm. heroic in and of itself. Oh no, you know what? That's true. And you just kind of, you have to, you just kind of have to. Uh, Jess and I were commiserating last episode because we're completionists, hardcore completionists. (laughs) And like Mm -hmm. Dustin really wants to just find a way to segue into a quest. But it just doesn't fit. And I was trying to find it. I was trying to put that square peg in that round hole very hard last episode. And it just wasn't going to it wasn't going to get there. But something that I uh, I really take to heart is as somebody who has had no money and then had money, you always are waiting for the fall off to happen again to have no money. And so I imagine that's where a lot of us are right now, where we're just like, we have, we're, we're doing well, we're doing succeeding, but that's, that's not permanent. That's not going to happen forever. Something's going to screw that up. And so uh, trying to get as much money and get as much stuff done as possible before that fallout happens is probably a very front of mind position for all of us. So that, that would make sense. We, we wouldn't just go cavorting off into some random side quest. Yeah, we need security. <laughs> and we don't really have that right now. We're we're like uh, out here on our own, which can be quite scary. So practicality wins out sometimes. Sci-fi is still has many fantasy elements, but sometimes the thing with sci-fi is that it's more grounded in realistic problems. <laughs> um, yeah. And then fantasy is at times, so. I really like, you know, Heidi, that's really, when you said that about, that's a really good perspective because it's, you know, we're, you know, I'm opening the strong, you know, strong here with like a working stiffs, but you're, you're right. The delivery driver, they're, the times, time, times are tough, times, are, times be hard, <laughs> but you know, it's those heroes, the unsung heroes that, um, really kind of are kind of the bright spot of the day, whether you're the, you know, that lone department of motor vehicle employee that makes sure your customers feeling as taken care of as possible, you know, whether, you know, you're a clerk or you're, oh my God, you're the person that fixes that dryer. So now the dryer works, you can do laundry <laughs> and it's like, absolutely. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's not always the, uh, the dragon is slain, <laughs> you know, the castle's been sieged, the assets have been liberated, the treasure given to the people. You know, it's, it's, hey, you know what? The soup tastes fantastic today. Thanks for that plus one bonus. No. 
Well, I mean, the best slogan that we could have is, at least for right now, we're all about me and mine as a group. Like, it's like, what mm-hmm. helps us most first? Because if we don't, <laughs> space is a very scary place if you run out of resources. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of tack on to something that, that Jess was saying about how while while there is still plenty of fantasy in Starfinder, it is it is a, it is a science fiction fantasy setting. Just what you were saying about how the the problems that you face are more grounded in reality in a in a sci fi <laughs> show, and the and the solutions to problems that you see aren't aren't as simple as they can be in fantasy. Like when like as Angel says, like there's no there's no dragon to slay in the in the problem you were presented with last episode i guess like the viscarium at large is a dragon (laughs) that that could potentially like be slain but not by four cargo haulers yeah what are we supposed to do against imperialism (laughs) you know frankly it's it's lucky that we were able to broker the deal that we did on voxa yeah (laughs) jesus Absolutely. Like you were able to temporarily put a pin in one local problem. That's also like, I mean, not to diminish the fantasticalness of what we do as well, audience. I'm not saying it's not crazy that we like took a bunch of dead tissue to be grafted into living bodies to give them sort of undead powers and stuff. Um, and did a m- massive space battle race <laughs> through a bunch of space creatures and all that stuff. Like we did, there was, there are cool elements involved in a, it's like putting cool things inside of a mundane issue <laughs> is what, is what sci-fi does. Yeah. I mean, and we might have the most advanced, one of the most advanced ships out there, but at the end of the day, it's just a cargo vessel. It's not like a warship. We're just trucking. I mean, if we went up into any battleship, we would be screwed. Does anybody else have any other thoughts or comments about the past few episodes? Any any thoughts on the story so far? Or do we want to get into it? We're rich. We're rich, bitch. Yeah, you are. 20 BP. 20 BP, baby. That's a lot of money. Yeah, you got some capital. It's exciting. <laughs> We're definitely taking advantage of uh, having, man, extra cargo capacity. Absolutely. Congratulations, crew. You completed your first job as independent space merchants. We did it. Yay. Well done. Yay. As Dustin pointed out, you're rich now-ish. You have 20 BP to spend on ship upgrades. That's pretty, pretty significant. You don't have a job currently lined up to move on to either. So you can uh, spend a little time looking for a new job if you like. You can also spend a little time just bopping around the Viscarium, making ship upgrades. You have sort of a full uh, system, a full system's worth of planets that you could potentially uh, go find go find a repair bay or a city or something hmm. uh, while you look for your next gig. Well, we do have a couple of upgrades we would like to do that we haven't really settled on any yet. So maybe for right now, we just say that we spend the next couple of days palling around Vesk 2 to look for a job. Sure. You spend a few days 
hanging out in the Viscarium. You take your ship to sort of a larger metropolis on Besk 2. It's not it's not all as bleak as where you just were. There's a large archipelago on the opposite side of the planet that has some pretty cosmopolitan cities, also filled with charming squid people, where you're able to shop, entertain yourselves, and get some additional upgrades for the Void Jammer. The goblin pals are only too happy to help before they uh, skip out and go do some sightseeing of their own. They promise to return to the ship before wheels up. I give them 10 credits each. Yeah, that's nice of you. They're super stoked about it. (laughs) My goblin children. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty jazzed. Miss Fanny slash Relora is used to, it's kind of like as a pilot duty. They've long since done it on the Calamity, you know, when they had time, but now brand new ship. And so there's just something about having a crystalline form that really gets, at least for her as a pilot in tune with harmonics, you know, frequencies, vibrations, kind of the energy of the ship. So without really thinking too much about it, uh, she... Uh, and it's been a while. So she's kind of recalling, it's like, oh, that's right, that's right. And crystallizes or cells are starting to take different configurations. And by the time she finishes, she is kind of like a, a really dusky, you know, rouge, uh, shimmering. And is just taking her paces throughout the ship, kind of stopping, listening, you know, putting a hand against a hole here and there. And it's kind of going through, taking the paces, not really thinking about it. And it's kind of going through the through the halls. And as she is doing that, Saren is coming down another hallway and with uh with Jambot humming humming along a little welding tune and uh rounds the corner to see Relora in shimmering form and pauses startled and I think she was carrying some tools and just stops and drops them. There's a clatter of of metal ringing on metal as she is face to face with another shimmering. Oh dear me. And with that, <laughs> uh, Relora just shifts back and she'll probably go back to Miss Fanny form. So kind of could crystalline contracts it. I, I almost picture like spiking out like a puffer fish, like the crystal spikes out contracts back in. And by the time it, you know, she rearranges, she's back to her old, you know, um, it hasn't been in the skin in a while, but Miss Fanny forms like, Oh dear me, Sarah, I'm so sorry. Uh, oh, um, it's, it's all right, Miss Fanny. It's just, uh, I'm not used to it. It just caught me off guard seeing another shimmering here. Um, what were you, uh, what? Uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself. Uh, well, you've—I mean—you've you know. always talked about being a shimmering, or well, you've always known what it's like to be a shimmering, I guess. Well, there's—you know—there's a lot of advantages to uh, fleshy cellulose and um, you know very uh, meaty forms if you want to use the parlance, but oh uh, well. Um, between you and me, there's just uh, a little lacking when it comes to uh, some spectrums and resonances that, oh my, just yeah, truly, truly, um, I miss hearing it um, while on a ship. It's, it's, it's been a while since I, I, I piloted 
a ship. Oh my goodness, the engines must practically sing an orchestra for you. Uh, uh, yes. Oh goodness, the new drift engines. Oh, I hope those aren't too grating. I never considered it. Not at all. I actually, that's why I spend most of my time in the engine room is because, is because they sing so beautifully. Um, oh. I actually had a question for you. Uh, you, it, are you okay if we talk about something private here in the hallway or do you want to go somewhere quieter? Well, let's, uh, let's adjourn to my quarters. Adjourning to the quarters, once they're in there, Saren will just, um, so, you know, you mentioned to me that Aline is your sister. And so I've just been kind of thinking, you know, we've done a job. We stole the ship. It, how are you handling the fact that this is your sister's ship? With that, her kind of like the little grandma twinkle goes out of her eyes uh, her body definitely sags and she takes a few moments and starts reforming again, you know, elongating and is back to the Relora Lashunta, you know, sitting, I'm just picturing maybe like on a bed. She taps a couple of, um, you know, buttons on a little console and, you know, the pictures she's been able to um, basically kind of download from her previous visits, stuff that she had packed away you know, of Aline, uh, you know, her little sister Juno, um, you know, her father's, you know, pops, you know, all, you know, throughout the cabin. And she stares for a while and turns back. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's been excruciating. It, this ship is wonderful. Um, and I've only recently begun to, I think it's part of to make myself feel better is, is, is shift to a shimmering to at least hear her song. But this isn't my ship. Um, you know, I'll, I won't, I won't disagree with the captain or of course, if he can call it his ship, our ship. And I, Sarah and I'll, I'll smile, but it's, it's not my ship it will never be my ship and if circumstances came that we were able to get another vessel yeah nothing would make me happier but this is the bed i made i will sleep in it and i've allowed myself to wallow i think good for a while and all i can do is continue and Saren, I wasn't the nicest person growing up, just to to let you know. Uh, Aline and I were, uh, we grew up at the, an orphanage in the Absalon uh, station. Okay. And, well, there's a lot of things an individual with my talents can do. And the path I started was not baking pies, uh, definitely not... Uh, making repairs um, as a shimmering um, enjoying the rich culture and the experiences the sights, smells vibrations um, that the myriad 
races of this vast universe have to offer. Uh, That was the farthest thing from my mind growing up. And now here, I feel like I'm back to that person. I I know I'm not. I I know that, but... uh, It's just like going home, but not in a way that's... Not the way that I think many folks would um, think of going home um, with, you know, very fond memories. Not that I don't have any, but oh my, I'm rambling. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, Sarah, and I suppose is, to be honest with you, and of course I will always want to be as, as transparent, feel free to ask anything you'd like. I, I, um, I, I won't hide anything from you or of the crew ass, but I'm I guess managing. I'm managing. And um, maybe tomorrow will be a little better. It, it's a wonderful ship. It, it truly is. And I'm, I'm glad it's bringing a fortune to, to our little family. Um, I mean, hmm. we certainly took this through our, its paces. Yeah, uh, just we <laughs> did. Um, and, oh, we did great. We did wonderful. I know. Yeah. Um, um, I, I'm, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's okay, you know. They always say you can't go home again, but that's not really because home goes away, but because you've changed. You're not the person that you were when you lived there. And I th- I know this sh- ship will always remind you of your sister, but that doesn't mean, as you said, we can't continue to do good here. And I think you can take heart in that and by using it for something better than what, well, what, what Edgecore would have used it for. She probably gives, like, the first time in a while a really, really genuine smile because she has just been punishing herself mentally since the heist and never even considered the fact of they're repurposing it just because she was so dead set to punish herself because she feels she deserves it. Oh, we are doing some good out here, aren't we? Um, Sarah nods. And then, like, places a hand on on Relora's shoulder. Uh, I, Saren, I'm. Oh my goodness, I'm. I'm glad we had this talk. Goodness gracious, I. I don't know why I didn't. I should have just come and talked to uh, you or the captain, you know, or Ballad and uh, earlier. Oh goodness, I, I don't shoot on I'm yourself, just silly. You know, oh. it's. When we get stuck in our own heads, that's when we can't reach out for others because we are too regressed to actually know that we need help. So you're not alone. Thank you, Saren. That was really lovely, you two. So there are a few days pass in kind of this vein. You come together as a crew for mealtimes, you splinter off, you do your own thing in pairs or alone or as a group, you explore uh, the city on Vesk 2 that you went to. And meanwhile, Friday, I can really see you posted up on the bridge of your state-of-the-art starship. You're in your captain's chair on your little raised dais, and (laughs) you're using your terminal to scout around for other jobs that might be in the area that you could potentially take. And you essentially put a posting out that what your ship is like, what your carrying capacity is, 
and uh, some general skills that you all hold as sort of an open for business posting on a few of the local forums. And in a couple of days, you do get a ping back. You get a recorded transmission. I, I, I listen to it. Yeah, you do, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Two individuals pop up uh, in the recording when you press play on the video. Oh. (laughs) It's a cat person. (gasps) More Skidamanders. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like the most cute combination ever. Oh, I know. It's freaking adorable. So you see a beautiful, like, dapper, bright blue Skidamander just like the good doctor from the episode before. Yes. And a gorgeous coal black <laughs> Patra, which for those of you listening at home, a Patra is essentially a, a Khajiit from the Elder Scrolls. And if you don't know Elder Scrolls, they are sentient cat people. Yeah, sentient cat people. Oh my God, they're so adorable. I love looking, I love looking at their pictures. <laughs> One is dressed up like a noir detective and the other one is dressed up like indiana jones the skittermander is Old dressed West. up like yeah. indiana jones with a monocle yep indiana jones but a little more country because he has that piece of hay yeah well he's got a piece of hay in one hand <laughs> he's got a revolver in another and he also has an old-fashioned oh like God. weed pipe sherlock holmes pipe. in one hand like like a uh oxford professor very thank you sherlock holmes got a sherlock holmes pipe and a monocle i love them both i'm crying uh and then there's this beautiful cat woman with coal black fur and a scar over one of her bright green eyes and a coat with a high collar and they just look like the most fun you've ever seen so awesome And so the two of them are standing in a barn lined with high-tech monitors displaying the vitals of animals within. Uh, There's a bunch of just sort of clumsy bovine-like animals called Mano. And there's drones hovering around delivering inoculations in this farm. And it's the Skittermander who is speaking while the Patra stands behind him with her arms crossed, kind of rolling her eyes. And the recording proceeds thusly. Greetings, proprietors of the Void Jammer. I am Baron Carmelar Gravender, though my, though my dearest confidants call me Carm. Most beloved among those companions is my partner, Adani Samor, humble matron of Skidderhaven Ranch, home of the found. Now you might be thinking, to what do you owe this unexpected but pleasurable correspondence? Well, our rangelands have been ravaged by a mysterious predator. This week, we found the remains of three prize Winnow maimed and devoured. And Gumbembo discovered our Ruthig flock drained entirely of us. I fear it won't be long before whatever plagues us tires of feeding on animals and comes for our whelps. Our only hope is to respond as any soldier loyal to high despot Kahan would with overwhelming and decisive force. We must acquire animals so belligerent, so pugnacious, that no carnivore would dare desecrate. And Adani sighs and interrupts him. Look, we need Defrexes, a few adults to frighten off whatever's killing our livestock. 
But if we're going to do this, I want to do it right. Start a whole operation, breaking Defrix's mounts, training them for live performances, festivals, tri-vids, uh, maybe even breed them when they mature. I don't know. Anyway, we need 60 head or so. I know you're not professional Deprix herders, but word is your crew is resourceful enough to make Nina Robo crap her pants a little, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> Cryptid hunt! Cryptid hunt! Cryptid and hunt! And the recording ends. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Ballad, I get the impression you want to do this one. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Miss Fanny's just playing it on loop on her on her 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 display at the helm. I have to say, seeing the 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 Skittermander the Skittermander talking like that gives me major Rigel feels. It's like Rigel energy, but if Rigel wasn't just raging asshole all the time, (laughs) (laughs) it's like much cuter, sweeter, and more genuine. (laughs) Who calls himself Baron Carmelar? Uh, is everybody on the st- on the ship, or is everybody still out and about? With the exception of Ballad, obviously, because <laughs> so <laughs> it hasn't yet. come up yet. Saren, uh, aside from going to turn in the job, Saren has not gotten off of the ship because the water freaks you out. Right? Oh. Yeah. You're not leaving Besk 2 yet, because if you decide to take this job, that's where you will be headed next. No. <laughs> or you'll, you'll be staying on Besk. All right. Uh, well, do we need to fly there, or do we just leave the ship here docked and go there? I... Uh, you can just get in touch with them. Like, you can just uh, call, you can call, you can call them back. Howdy, folks. But Donnie and Baron Carm. Uh, this is Friday, Francisco. We'd be happy to take a job. Wonderful! Oh, a happy day! You did leave out a little, like, how much it pays. Like, you know, what's the... Wait, what if we... What if we... What if we hold on. Vala just, like, jumps in front of Friday and she's like, what if we hunt down the thing that's killing your flock? Also, would that get us maybe extra, perhaps? We don't even know how much that paid us, Ballad. <laughs> she just wants to do it. Do you honestly. think that you could? Oh, such a task would be only undertaken by the most valiant of, and his partner claps a paw over his mouth. It's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> kind of like, <laughs> <sighs> the job pays one BP for every 10 head of Jeffrixes you can bring to the ranch. There is a Jeffrix okay, herd like- on Vesk 2. She's like, still got a paw clamped over her husband's mouth. I have a location on Vesk 2 where I know that there are lots of wild Defrixes. Okay. If you want to kill the cryptid too, that would be rad. But we mostly, we're trying to start a sort of a side business with these things in addition to, uh, you know, driving off whatever predators are in the area. So, well, you yeah. We can do both. Why don't we do both for a little extra? I mean, I'm a cat girl. You're a girl cat. We can figure something out here, I think. She frowns at you and twitches an ear. (laughs) Her husband is frantically tapping on her arm. Tap, 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 tap. She's she's like, takes her hand away. He's, he's like, noble cat lady, I would be happy to pay you an additional one BP for every monster that you bring back to our ranch. Yes. <laughs> um, can I, I, I also, 
you said that you had defrexes that were already slain, and I'm curious, do you, would you be able to make any of those into defrex hide armor for us? Oh, uh, gentle crystal person. We do not have any dead defrexes. It's it's other animals of ours that oh. have been destroyed. We don't, We that's why we need defrexes. I misunderstood. Uh, yeah, no, okay. Question rescinded. But I imagine that if you killed one, you probably could turn it into a Defrix hide thing. And Adami slaps her paw over his mouth again. It's kind of like, we need them all alive. We need them all alive. We'd really (laughs) prefer it if you brought all of them to us alive. Thank you. All right. Well, if we find any spares, I'll kill one. Okay, we can do that. Yeah. Right. If we have like 11 instead of 10. Well, crew, uh... I guess it's time to go wrangle us some uh, some defrexes. Friday gets a big grin on his face. This is the best mission ever. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> uh, I have some uh, supplemental materials that can that can teach you how to do defrex herding, because I, I realize that you are not experts uh, at that. So I will send a few of those over. That would be most helpful. Thank you. You don't know what we're experts at. Well, your captain did post a list of your skills, and Defrix herding wasn't on it. Oh, okay. Well, assassination <laughs> was on there. <laughs> Don't sass me. I'm also a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is cat on cat violence. I should stop. <laughs> Do you have anything else you wanted to talk to this pair about? Hey, uh, would either of you be interested in playing a game of Gap Finder? I'm putting together a t- <laughs> a, a, together a group of players. <laughs> She's shaking her head no. Her husband is like frantically waving his arm. <laughs> All right, if, uh, if if I can just get your bonfire info, I will. I will send you a friend request. He's got all four of his hands are up and a thumbs up. <laughs> add him to your add him to your list of bonfire contacts. <laughs> um, then yeah, they sign off uh, with with their thanks for taking on the job. Uh, Adani like just sort of nods in a very dignified cat lady sort of way, and her husband like smiles and waves with all four of his arms and just releases an endless font of uh, salutations, thank yous, greetings, other courtly statements before his wife cuts the feet. Uh, a little while later, you get, uh, you all receive on your compads a infamous tell-all memoir that Adani forwards along. It's called Taming the Herd, The Secrets of Kamazrin Ranch. A, books writ- a book written by Totorox Matrox, a skittermander who labored for years on Vesk 2's largest Defrix homestead, Kamazrin Ranch. So it's just full of techniques for herding and domesticating Defrixes that he claims to have kept hidden as trade secrets. The four of you flick through it, getting getting tips and tricks for how to uh, tame and herd Defrixes. It is a memoir, and this skittermander who wrote it was apparent, uh, apparently a very melodramatic fellow, right after Baron Karm's own heart. Uh, the book itself is melodramatic and a little racy, but oh, it does provide ooh. some useful advice on how to herd and capture and train Defrixes. Miss mm, Fanny loves her novelas. So you're already on Vesk 2. 
and you get directions to uh, an island that's pretty close to where you are. It's on the same side of the planet already. And on that island, it's a fairly large one. They have a place called Karuti Canyon, which is a fairly like large Deferix habitat. So that's where you'll be landing the ship and attempting to herd as many of them possible into your cargo hold. <laughs> because the ranch is on Besk 3. So you'll be carrying them to a different planet. There are a variety of things that you might want to do to prepare. You may need to acquire transportation. Hmm? Defrixes, for uh, those of you who don't know, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna show you something that was like in the a- in the AP as the cover for this section of the story, um, so you can get a sense of what defrixes look like. Also, because. There is a orange bearded uh, man in a cowboy hat. Oh my God, there's Friday. It's basically Friday. <laughs> That's scary. Oh, Wolverine. So a, a Defrix is like a very large wolf, panda, bear, raccoon. <laughs> wolf, panda, bear, <laughs> raccoon. Love it. Skunk badger. Yeah. I was going to say honey badger. It looks like a skunky badger. Oh, a skunky badger is also a good one. A skunk a skunk badger bear. <laughs> <laughs> so just picture what would happen if a skunk and a badger and a bear got into some very inappropriate moments and had babies. <laughs> inappropriate to you. <laughs> True enough. True enough. I'm not- not here to not here to shame anybody. <laughs> so in order to keep up with these things, they are fast and they are dangerous. So especially as they are all completely wild at the moment. Uh, so you might want to think about acquiring transportation. You might want to think about acquiring hunting licenses. There's also some other resources that you may be interested in. So out of your transportation options, you can get a trained Deferix mount at Yidi Preserve, which is where these wild ones live, uh, or you can rent an Enercycle. Oh, I know what I want. Enercycle. I want a cycle. You want a cycle? You know I got some. I'm pretty okay with like piloting checks, but not riot checks. <laughs> <laughs> Ballad wants a kitty cat. Yeah, I yeah? think I think Friday's going to take a kitty cat. You mean a bear raccoon? Yeah, bear raccoon skunk badger. Skunk, <laughs> skunk badger, sponge, spunk, skunk badger bear. <laughs> skunk badger. Okay, so Deferix mounts cost about 500 credits per day. Ooh, uh, cool. And renting an end cycle costs, seven, costs 70 credits per day. Oh, okay. You oh, have a well. couple of <laughs> you have a couple of extra legal options for using these same vehicles for free. Would you like to hear them? Oh, of course. Yes, I would. Of course. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Someone skilled in diplomacy might be able to persuade a shop owner to loan a vehicle for free. Uh, there is also a potential for someone with engineering skills to, I don't know, like hot wire and steel. <gasps> yes. Gasp. There are also options for people who are good with survival checks. I will use that diplomacy skill to get us two mounts for, get a mount for myself and for Ballad. Okay. Saren definitely will be using engineering to steal one. Steal an intersect. <laughs> I will be... <laughs> 
this family will be renting. I'm assuming they're separate vendors. So they're hopefully separate vendors. Yeah. So Saren, if you're going after an end cycle, um, you creep around the back of a shop after being told how many credits it is a day and looking Whoa. at your bank account and just being <laughs> like, oh, no, no, that's not going to work. I can afford this for two days. Or two days. <laughs> Make me a stealth roll. A stealth roll? Oh, you lied. You said it was engineering. <laughs> oh, it's, engin- it's an engineering check to hotwire it. But do you wa- if you want to hotwire it without anyone noticing, I'm going to need... A stealth roll. Okay. I'm going to use my... Roll that nat 20. I'm going to use my one hero point on this on this stealth okay. roll. I rolled... First roll is a 14. Uh, second roll is a 9. Before I know the results of their spot check, I will use a hero point to give observers disadvantage. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Double whammy. Good call. Rolled a five both times on the die. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, the shop owner is a really trusting individual. Oh, she well, doesn't think nice. that anyone would ever just steal one of her vehicles. And Saren's really sweet. After all, she does rely on them to make her own money and feed her family. And surely nobody would be so <gasps> cruel. I'm sure she's fine. I'm sure she's fine. Okay, it's one vehicle. So she's one, and we're not idly staring it. out the front of her shop. She's not looking in back at all. You are free to go ahead and make me that engineering check. Meanwhile, while she's doing that, a little while Heidi, uh, while Sarah's doing that, a little kid comes out from behind the counter and go, "Mommy, are we going to make enough sales to buy dinner this week?" <laughs> I'm a survivor. No, I mean, you're just you are you are just taking one. <laughs> I'm just telling you that she's super yeah. trusting. <laughs> I guess one of those kids is going to have to uh, join Edge Corp for, for the medical benefits. Uh, oh, no. A uh, Friday. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Make me an engineering check, Heidi. Uh, I don't know. Does a 27 do it? Oh, my goodness. Woo. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yes, it sure does. It's not a complicated machine. It was a DC 14. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I needed a, to fail. I would have had to roll a two or a one. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, super uncomplicated machine. You are able to figure out exactly sort of where the start wires are. Take them, hot wire it, and uh, you are blazing away. Her okay. general perception was so low that she, you know, she has, she's like, she's still not looking. Like she's, She doesn't even notice the, sh- her, the bike's gone. She's wearing, for a, a head, she's wearing headphones. Oh, you know? She's listening to a podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably super unnecessary, but can I make a case for aiding Friday by finding a super unethical uh, criminal underworld dealer of... <laughs> Of kitty cat mounts, who we can just steal the kitty cat mounts from, and then we'll set them free. <laughs> Using my cultural knowledge of the right, underworld. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a 15 plus 5, so 20. Okay. Yeah, on a 20. You're gonna you're you're in a fairly respectable town on the on the same preserve. As, as where the Defrexes are. It's a fairly respectable town that was built up to sort of support 
preservation efforts on this island. But just like any good-sized town, it's got its seedier spots. You definitely, as you're walking around, you notice that there is a little Defric stable where the mounts look a little mangier and a little skinnier and their fur is a little less shiny. And the guy kind of sitting out front, you you peg him immediately as a disreputable sort. You would have known even if his animals weren't in sort of shabby shape. He's got a little whip sitting on the floor next to him. <laughs> Ballad gives Cap'n a look and says, uh, Friday, I think we have another mission. <laughs> a little side mission, perhaps, eh? <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Friday wiggle, wiggles his eyebrows. Uh, and he, go, he goes <laughs> up to the guy goes, Howdy, partner. My name is Friday Francisco. I'm here to pick up my order. Order for what? <laughs> the audacity. I don't. What are you? What are you talking about, man? I don't order to pick up. I rent beasts for riding places. Yes. No, nothing to order. I, well, I'm, I ordered two to rent. Oh, well, why didn't you say so? Well, that's why I said I have my order. If I rent a space vehicle, I, you know, you have an order. Make me a bluff check. <laughs> With charming veneer, that's 27. Cool. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he, he's like, yeah. Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't really feel like arguing about it anymore. Uh, that'll be uh, uh, 600 credits. Well, oh, sorry. Char- that'll be 1,200 credits. The charge was already paid for. Paid for in advance. No, it wasn't. Yeah, he, he did. looks at his database and he's like scrolling through like, what's your name? My name is Friday Francisco. I don't have any record. Can I? Do some stuff in the background while Captain... Yeah, I was going to... Because, like, I would say on a 27, Friday has this man pretty well distracted. He is definitely taking negatives to his perception. What are you doing in the meantime? Ballad is sneakily going around to, like, the back area where there's, like, an opening in the gate or whatever. You know, wherever you would sort of be let out. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's getting all those honeys out of there. All of them? She's going to try and help as many kitty cats get away. Kitty cat badger skunk bears out of that place. I mean, (laughs) here's here's the thing. (laughs) We can take these and give them to... Give give them as part of our job. (laughs) You shysters. Exactly. So I am sneaky, sneaky. I roll... I don't have any addition to stealth in spite of my past... Because uh, I didn't have to be sneaky. I was brazen. But na- <laughs> I did roll a natural 19. Right. Um, so I'm sneaking around. And I'm just going to, like, basically mount one and try and, like, I'm, I'm letting the rest of them out and trying to herd them as best as possible. I don't know, with, like, athletics. <laughs> just being trying to control as many of them as possible mm. <laughs> to lead them to the ship. <laughs> okay. Um, I am going to say that most of them are saddled. So you are yeah. riding one and there is a place to hold uh-huh. on to the reins of another. <laughs> on a 19... That's only stealth. Which is pr- 
which is pretty good. A 19 stealth. Um, I am gonna need to. I am going to need you to also make me a survival check. Okay. So survival, I also have nothing. I got an 18 on survival, which is not as good, but it's not quite as good. No. Yeah. Uh, can I athletically force? <laughs> With my sheer power. <laughs> okay, um, Jess, here's what happens. He didn't. He did not notice you sneaking into the pen. He did not notice <laughs> you climbing up on the animal. He didn't notice yeah. you. I'm assuming tying the remaining animals like into a string <laughs> that you could lead. He missed yeah. all of that because Dustin was being infuriatingly distracting uh, and there's no record of a goddamn order for no Friday Francisco. No, of course not. <laughs> the thing that could not possibly escape his attention, however, was the fact that you're not wildly great with animals and you're also not wildly great no. with this species that you hadn't even really had much to do yeah. with before. <laughs> You did your best, you know, based on your best guesses of how to how to handle a skunk raccoon bear, skunk badger bear. Yeah. <laughs> but these animals are already kind of nervous, already kind of predatory. They're not especially well taken care of. They don't trust humanoids all that much. And a couple of them started raising a ruckus. That's fine. As long as they want to flee. Ultimately, Ballad's goal is to just get them out. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily care that much if we get mounts out of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, because here's here's the rest of what happens. Very exciting, like, frantic banjo music starts up in the background as the guy at the proprietor whips around. And he's like, Hey! They're stealing my animals! And you kick your mount and you ride out of the gate and you've just got a string of these defresses running along behind you as you pelt into the woods. <laughs> and they yell, be free! <laughs> and as Ballad's doing that and the guy's like looking that way, Friday just walks away the other direction. <laughs> Uh, this guy is like frantically like he's screaming, he's calling for help. He's yanked his cowboy hat off his head and is like stomping on it. Like he is infuriated, but nobody likes him very much. So nobody seems to be running to his help, to his beck and call very quickly. There's a couple of Vesk enforcers that are sort of generally patrolling the area that Friday would see kind of run past him as he's running in the opposite direction. But that's about it. Oh, he's not, he's not running the eye. He's just strolling away. Oh, as he's casually strolling, <laughs> yeah. uh, two, two Vesk officers run past him in the direction of the shouts. But uh, yeah, you, you don't get the impression that anybody's really like super concerned about what happens to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like troublemakers. I love it. <laughs> Do you keep one mount for Friday? Oh, yeah. I'll try and wrangle one up with athletics if possible. That's the best I can do. My survival is shit. <laughs> Chaos. Chaos. Yeah, make me an athletics check. Yeah, I'm basically just subduing it. And I did get a 27 because my athletics is much better than my survival. Excellent. Yeah, so you know, you're not good with animals, but you are very flexible. And so you... 
<laughs> lean out of your saddle and are just able to grab the reins of another runaway Defrix. You use your extendo arms. Yeah. I was literally just going to say, yeah, I use my inspector oh, gadget arm nice. and I'm just like. <laughs> so, and the rest of them uh, disappear into the wilderness. As as me and Ballad meet up in a place, I'm sure we Freedom. figured out uh, and go, you know, Ballad, you and I make a pretty good team sometimes. Yeah, we do. I give Friday a fist bump <laughs> and hand him the reins of his mount. <laughs> I'm cracking up. Meanwhile, across town, classical music playing in background. I picture Miss Fanny making a few calls because, you know, she's got friends uh, um, from her military days, seeing if she can find a reputable shop, maybe somebody that, you know, like a military surplus shop you can uh-huh. go to. Um, so she's putting out feelers like, oh, this is what I'm looking for. You know, she needs transportation, maybe some ropes, sedatives, some gear, maybe you know, food that uh, animals like, putting those feelers out. And while she's, you know, I'm picturing that like as her first step. And then as the kind of scene continues, she's like walking all gracefully to the shop, looking over the the cycles like, oh, is there a way you could also include like an insurance? I'll take the insurance, you know, at the rental places you never buy the insurance. But she's like, oh, go ahead. We got classy, gritty and trashy. (laughs) Please include the insurance. That's the name of this episode. (laughs) Classy, gritty, and trashy. <laughs> While the classical music's going in the background. <laughs> I'll take these air fresheners too. No, but going back like super, super legit straight lace, like rental and shopping, looking for deals. While oh you my folks are- God, you go into the Hertz line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so while you guys were doing this, I was cracking up because I was already picturing doing this. I'm like, Oh my god, I completely went in a completely different direction <laughs> from the rest of the crew. Like you're doing it legit. Absolutely. <laughs> she shows back she shows up back up at the sh- at the ship with like the receipt and rental agreements. Like, oh, so are we all set? <laughs> Ballad covered in dust and like <laughs> hair sticking up everywhere. <laughs> with all of your ill-gotten gains. Oh, the man. moment Abby said there's some non-traditional ways to get them out, the, these things were like, yep. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Wowza. <laughs> well, there are still a few more things the gang might need to acquire before you actually get to the Defrix herding part of this little <laughs> adventure. But that's going to have to wait until next time because your shenanigans uh, pretty much ran down the clock, gang. Good good mm-hmm. job. Surprising <laughs> no one. Uh, As they should. Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production. Uh, thanks a bunch for listening to the show and for enjoying the fact that this crew never does anything in the standard way. Except, except Angel, <laughs> who is an angel. <laughs> Hey, don't discount Angel. He's the one who uh, long ago ran over some goblins and then just sped away. Let that us is not true. forget. I take. Let us I not take forget. It uh, if you can't get enough of us, we also produce a second show, the Fantastic Worlds podcast, that's based on the Reign of Winter Adventure Path or Pathfinder One E. And you can also uh, connect with us with our fantastic community on Discord and Reddit, or you can follow us on any of the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can find links to access all of those on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. 
You can also support us and get extra episodes of our Pathfinder 2E podcast that we produce exclusively for our Patreon subscribers by going to fantasticworlds.cash. I'm Abby, your galactic mistress. You can find me at Bonanza Famine on Instagram or Twitter. I'm Heidi, chief engineer and now intercycle thief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is one step closer yeah, to being the the badass motorcycle mechanic from Tech Revolution. You can find me on Twitter at Vamahillion or on Discord at Heidelon hashtag five eight three six. And with rental agreement legitimately in hand, this is Angel. <laughs> I can be found at Espinoza nine one six and the security deposit. <laughs> this is Jess, liberator of mistreated animals, um, lover of giant badger bear creatures. You can find me at Hank the Clink. And this is Dustin, who's just realizing that we should never tell the goblin story around our goblin co-workers. Uh, you can reach oh, us shit. at Dustin Alexander <laughs> on the interwebs. Right. We won't be talking no. about this. <laughs> <laughs> the goblin story? Squashing goblins. Uh, uh, squashing goblins with a, our goblins. vehicle. Just oh, running over them. Oh, yeah. Don't say that out loud around that the That was gang. like episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Fleagree was bloodthirsty, so she probably won't mind. Yeah, that's true. They have a history of just killing them. It's not like they're their friend. You know, I wouldn't care if they said, oh, we killed a bunch of androids because they were doing this and this and that. You know, it's all relative. (laughs) And they probably weren't relatives, you know. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's racist. (laughs) They're not all related. Those are Castrovel goblets. (laughs) (laughs) all right if you enjoy the show do us a favor and help spread the word to friends and family you think may enjoy the show as well and we'll see you next time far beyond the stars pew frickin pew pew (laughs) that was a fucking one yeah oh my god i am so excited for you all to get to the next part because you get to drive a fucking herd of bachelor bears when i'm stuck Far Beyond the Stars is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Starfinder Adventure Pack, Fly Free or Die, is a trademark of Paizo. Copyright 2020. All Paizo content is used with permission. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to solve much trauma. Emotions. <laughs> oh, emotional damage. Mm-hmm. So much. That was really six, You take though. four emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> and I know of a specific oh, location. Yeah, they're married. <laughs> Oh man, those babies, those babies, I want to see those babies. Oh my god, I bet their babies are so cute. <laughs> like little blue furred kitties with extra legs. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I know, crying. so adorable. Okay. <laughs>